0: Oh, good morning I am uh, a little under the weather today. The last few days I've been uh, at home resting. Uh, a fever left me the other night uh, but uh, so my voice hasn't returned so uh, I apologize for the way I sound. I apologize for the way I look but uh, that's nothing I can do anything about but uh, anyway uh, Let's ask the Lord to guide our time together uh, this morning. Gracious Father, we are so thankful that we can come before your presence. We can invite you to do a work in us. Lord, we desperately need you to move among us, in and through us this morning, that You take your word and cause it to penetrate, Lord, the hard hearts that we sometimes bring. The minds that are distracted by so many other things going on around us and in our lives. Lord, we are so distracted. This morning we ask that you would remove all of that. We might hear from you and your word, that your spirit would would teach us. Lord, that even the distraction of my my voice would would not keep us from hearing what you have to say. That we would receive it as 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 a, a fresh and new um word from you as as water to a thirsty soul. We commit this time into your hands. For Jesus' sake and in his name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Over the past uh, three weeks, beginning here in February, we've, we've begun looking at this, uh, these seven sayings of Jesus from the cross began looking at the very first thing Jesus said early on once he was hung on the cross, and, and that was he, he prayed, cried out to the Father, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they're doing. It expressed something about who Jesus is, and each of these sayings tells us something about Jesus, and that thing about Jesus that we saw in that first statement is that Jesus is a forgiving God and he he's calling out to his heavenly father to forgive those who are responsible for hanging him on that cross certainly referring to those who were there that day but also those who were responsible for um, the weeks leading up to that right or at least the the time frame of of Uh, from a human standpoint, of putting Jesus there, those who delivered him up. And and, uh, we talked about the fact that because it was our sin that caused him to be there, we are responsible. And so Jesus, in a sense, is also praying for each of us. We also spent a whole week just looking at what does that mean for us then to follow Jesus, and his example as a forgiving God, and that is that we need to be extending forgiveness to one another and to our fellow human beings who who may not know Christ yet. We looked at Matthew 18 and that parable Jesus taught, which is a very convicting uh, story about these two servants of the king who one was forgiven an incredible debt by the king, but then turned and would not forgive his fellow servant, a very minor debt in comparison. And how the king turned him over to the torturers until he would pay back what he owed. And we, we talked about what we believe he owed, and that was not that he had to repay that entire debt that the that the king forgave, but that he owed the king the courtesy of forgiving his fellow slave. And how so many times we can get wrapped up and tied up and tortured in a sense because we're unwilling to forgive our fellow brother or sister or fellow human being a debt that they owe us. And, and there is a definite correlation between our understanding of the, the debt that we have been forgiven by God and our willingness or our ability to forgive other people. Last week, we talked about another one of those sayings, which is not in progression, the next one, but fit the, the, the time we spent in communion. And that was that Jesus' statement at the end of his time on the cross, when he cried out in, in, in quotation of, of Psalm 22, which was a psalm about the Messiah that David wrote right, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus even walked the earth. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we saw that Jesus was a forsaken son. The Father turned his back on Jesus in those last three hours on the cross when darkness covered the land. And many believe, and I believe as well, that that God the Father poured his wrath out upon Jesus in those three hours because it was in those three hours that he laid the weight of sin upon Jesus. And he poured his wrath out on sin upon his son, on your behalf and on mine. So Jesus cried out that forsakenness that was for you and me. It was because of that forsakenness, because of that debt that he paid, he's able to offer us forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. And we come now to this next statement, which is actually the second in progression. It's found here in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43. It comes right on the heels of the very first one, and that is when Jesus prayed for forgiveness. So we read these words in verses 39 to 43 of Luke 23. One of the criminals, and again, we know from the beginning of this, Back when we we read in Luke 23, starting in verse 33, that Jesus was crucified in the middle of two other criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then we read this, And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, and said, Do do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. And what we see here is that Jesus is a gracious God. Offering to this criminal who was hanging beside him on the cross. Forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Paradise with, with Jesus. What I want to do this morning is I want to just kind of make a few observations from this, this passage that I think help us understand not only what's going on here, but what's going on for us as human beings. Because I believe these two criminals in many ways provide for us an ar- archetype, if you will, of all humanity. We're either one or the other of these criminals. We respond to Jesus in one of two ways. So we've got, first of all, there were two people who needed grace. Again, these two people represent all of humanity. We all need grace. We see that both men transgressed the law. In fact, the word criminal here literally means an evildoer. One who did wrong. One who did not live up to the perfect standard. One who transgressed the law. And then we see that both men were paying the price. They were getting their just reward for their behavior. They were experiencing the physical consequences of their their action. They deserved to be hanging on a cross. They deserved the death penalty. Apparently they had transgressed the law to such an extent that they were suffering the punishment for their deeds. They both needed grace. But we see that there was only one who asked for it. There was one person who asked for grace. Let's look at these two men. One. One was hurling abuse at Jesus. Right? He was, in fact, the word abuse here, hurling abuse, is actually a word we get a word blasphemy from. He was blaspheming Jesus. He was joining in with the others who were there that day. If you go back and look again at, at verses 35 through 37, we see that there were people looking on and they were, they were, the rulers were sneering at him in verse 35. He saved others. Let him save, save himself if he is indeed the Christ of God. Soldiers were mocking him. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And he's joining right in with them. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us as well. He certainly didn't see Jesus as anyone special. In fact, I would argue that he sees him as no one other than someone like himself, right? We're all hanging on the cross together. Save yourself and save us, if you are the Christ. He's mocking him, blaspheming him. You might say, "Well, he was at least asking Jesus to save him. What was he asking for? Probably nothing more than, and if you if you're somebody, then get yourself down and get us down, save us from our predicament." And you know, as I, I think about so many times, there's people out there that, again, they they look at Jesus as as nothing more than a human being that walked the earth. If they even believe that, certainly wasn't who he claimed to be. And they have many reasons, maybe for why they believe that. Maybe they're so intellectual and they've studied so much that. They've talked themselves out of believing anything supernatural, as many in Jesus' day had done. Maybe they've never studied anything to do with Jesus, and they've just, out of a, uh, maybe a, a hardness, a bitterness because of how life has dealt with them, maybe because of the way other people have treated them, maybe because of the way Christians have treated them. They've decided Jesus isn't worth even looking at, even considering, and certainly if he was who he claims to be. He wouldn't let the things that happen happen in this world or happen to me. And so they've concluded that Jesus isn't worth looking at and Jesus isn't worth believing in. But you know, when things get really bad in a person's life, as we see in our own country, when things have gotten really bad, when tragedy has struck, what do people do? They cry out to God to save them out of their situation. Many of us remember 9-11. Remember how the nation turned, how our politicians turned to God? There were prayers on the steps of the Capitol going on, asking God to deliver our nation from this incredible attack. We were allowed to pray in those moments, weren't we? I remember seeing a, a, a quick little interview on, online where uh, a, a young person was asking um, President Reagan, way back when, right after the tragedy of the, um, uh, the, uh, um, the rocket went up and then exploded in the air, I forget which, which rocket that was, but there, were, there was uh, different people on that, That I think one of them was a school teacher, and it just exploded as it was going up to space during his presidency. And a, uh, a boy asked him in, a, in a, um, a town hall meeting kind of thing, about his statement about wanting to allow prayer in school. And uh, his statement was, you know, as politicians, in those moments, we were allowed to pray, asking God for mercy on the families of all, on those who died. Children in school should have been given the same right. And again, as a, a nation, we turn to God in those times. And, and here recently, right, those who, who like... Uh, football. We had a, a football player, the Buffalo Bills, was was h- injured on the on the field and and was needed to be resuscitated in front of millions of people watching on television, and people in the stands, and they had to they stopped the game and didn't continue the game because of this. And people everywhere around the world were holding up signs, pray for Damar Hamlin. One commentator on ESPN actually prayed on. On, on public television for him. Wonderful. But then once he was better and his life was no longer in danger, well, no longer can we, we talk about prayer. No longer can we talk about God. No, yeah, this is the way the world is. This is how many people approach Jesus when they're hurting, when they're in trouble. Yeah, call out to Jesus, get me out of my problem. But once the problem passes, we forget again. This is the criminal. This is how he is. Yeah, save me from my predicament. Some people, no matter what they go through, remain hardened before God. Yeah, they want out of their predicament, but that's all. It's not, that's not what Jesus offers. So we have one criminal who represents a, a segment of people. Then we've got the other was expressing faith in Jesus in the statements that he made here. First of all, he rebukes the other criminal. Do you not even fear God? Since you're in the same sentence of condemnation. He stood against the crowd, which is not an easy thing even for a criminal hanging on a cross. To be the one among many who stands up for what is right, for what is true. It's easy to go with the crowd, but he didn't. He stood up against it, and he expressed a couple of very important things in his words. He expressed, first of all, I fear of God. He says, do you not even fear God? Which obviously by saying that, he is experiencing a sense of the fear of God as he's hanging on a cross experiencing the punishment for his own crime, knowing that he's going to have to face God and face the consequences before the the great judge. And he expressed his own guilt. And he says, we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. We're getting what we deserve. We're guilty, and we deserve punishment. And then he acknowledges the innocence of Jesus, but this man has done nothing wrong. How does he know that? He doesn't know necessarily, but he believes it. He's seen enough to believe that Jesus was experiencing a punishment that was not his own. And then he calls out to Jesus and expresses what I believe is trust in him. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He obviously believes Jesus is a worthy king. And Jesus is entering into a kingdom that wasn't a part of this world because Jesus was about to die. He wasn't like the one saying, hey, save yourself. And then, and then when you become king in this world, I want to go with you No. He understands this is a kingdom that isn't beyond this world. And this man hanging on a cross is a king beyond this place. And he wants to be part of that. And so he expresses and acknowledges a fear of God. He acknowledges uh, his own guilt. He acknowledges Jesus' innocence and acknowledges his trust in Jesus. doing so he's if you will asking Jesus for grace and then we see thirdly that there was one person who received grace both needed it one asked for it and that one who asked for it received it Jesus responded to his expression of faith in his in his statement remember me when you come into your kingdom and he said to him truly I say to you Or, as some translations, verily, verily I say unto you, making it very clear that what he was about to say was truth. Today you shall be with me in paradise. That statement was directed to one, not both criminals the one who expressed faith. The first criminal could have received grace. Had he asked for it? Had he demonstrated the same humility that the the second one did? But he didn't. What we need to understand is that Jesus required only his response of faith. This man could do nothing to make up for his sin. He was dying on the cross. He could do nothing to demonstrate the authenticity of his faith by living a a, a godly life moving forward. He had no time to do that, no opportunity. Jesus knows the heart. He didn't demonstrate for us in this necessarily a a depth of understanding of, of theological terms like justification, redemption, reconciliation, propitiation. He didn't understand, didn't seem to understand the depth of all of that, nor does anyone else need to to be saved. It's good to know that. It's good to grow in that, and we ought to be as believers. But the only difference between these two criminals is a heart response. Jesus could see into the heart. In fact, Matthew and Mark tell us that both criminals were hurling abuse at Jesus at one point. So what made the change in the one? Well, obviously God's Spirit did a work softening his heart. We're told Jesus said unless the Father draws them, they cannot come. There's something that happened here. But what is it that God used to do that? I want to suggest to you one very good possibility is the example of Jesus as he hung on the cross asking forgiveness. Jesus continued to live out his godliness while he was dying. It wasn't that he just, okay, once I get to the cross, then then it's, it's over. No, Jesus continued to demonstrate and display his nature and his character while he hung on the cross. Offering forgiveness, asking the Father to forgive. These criminals had a front row seat to that. They got to see Jesus. Nature and character right before them. You got a close up view of Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that we are called by God to be His witnesses, to follow Jesus, to live out Jesus' life before others. Certainly that includes forgiveness. And it is through our testimony. Our witness for Christ, that the power of the Holy Spirit work in us, does a work in other people to soften their hearts. That's why Jesus, after his uh, uh, resurrection, but before his ascension, in Acts 1, 8, told the disciples to wait right, for the Holy Spirit to come, the power of the Holy Spirit, who will empower them to be his witnesses. See, we are to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, living out the life and the character of Jesus before others, and it is through that that others uh, see Christ in us, and it is through that that the power of the Holy Spirit works to soften the hearts of certain people to the gospel of Jesus. Somebody famously said, Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. out our faith because Jesus is a gracious God and He has extended grace to us. We then live a a life of grace before others. It's through that that God softens some hearts to be receptive to the Gospel. And they begin to experience an understanding of of a, a healthy fear of God fear of the judgment as the Holy Spirit works to bring conviction. And they understand that they, they have a part to play in, in this whole thing, that, that they have fallen short of God's perfect standard, and that standard demands that there be a punishment paid. The wages of sin is death, separation from God. And, and as they understand that, then, they understand Jesus Christ gave his life for them. He was indeed who he claimed to be. He was innocent of any sin, and he died in our place, and that through his death we might have life. And as they begin to understand more of that, and as as we have opportunity to share these things, because our lives have been used by God to soften hearts, (laughs) people are open and receptive, and we have the privilege to introduce them to Jesus. So as I said at the beginning, these two criminals, in a sense, represent all of humanity. The question is, which which one represents you? Will you remain skeptical with a hardened heart as the first criminal? You look at your life and say, well, if, if Jesus was indeed who he said he is, he would not have let this or that happen in my life or this or that happen to someone else or we all have excuses we all have reasons why we can struggle but what it comes down to is do you believe that Jesus is who he said he is do you believe he is the son of god who came to earth and ultimately took our sin on himself, and he paid the price that we deserve. We don't have to understand everything. Just that we are a sinner. Our sin has separated us from God. Jesus took the punishment that we deserve, and he offers you forgiveness and eternal life. And you receive that gift by faith in Christ, by trusting that what Jesus did on the cross is enough for you. I don't know if there's anyone here today or online that is in that place right now, but I I appeal to you. I urge you, as, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Jesus gave his life, that you might have life. Receive it by faith. It doesn't require some big dramatic thing. It doesn't require anything but a simple response of our heart to say, God, I, I believe what you're saying. I believe that Jesus did offer himself for me and that because of my sin, I need his forgiveness and I trust Jesus if that's happening in your heart right now angels in heaven we're told are rejoicing because of you because of your response isn't that incredible I know the rest of us would love to rejoice in that too And so if that's happening, I would just ask you to to let somebody know. Let let people know and and ask somebody who you know is a follower of Christ to help you now figure out what does it look like to begin living that life. This is what we're all called to be about, is is to walk together as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and, and to learn together and to help each other in this journey so that our lives might continue to reflect the grace of God that has touched us. We might together journey on our way to glory, letting others see Jesus in us, letting others experience through our life the grace of God. How do they do that? They do it because they experience forgiveness from us. They experience kindness from us. They experience all kinds of elements of grace. So we live out of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit so that God may use us. Would you stand as we conclude our time Gracious Father, we want to thank you that this morning we're reminded through this incident that happened as as Jesus hung on the cross and, again, the words of Jesus that, that speak life, that all of us are confronted with this reality. We all, like these two criminals, Guilty. And each of us has a choice. Are we going to walk with the crowd? Are we going to believe what the world believes? we Are going to see Jesus as just maybe a, a well-meaning human being, uh, maybe a, a nice guy, good teacher? Maybe he was a little off his rocker with some of the things he said. Are we going to pick and choose what we believe and don't believe in the Bible, or are we going to believe Jesus in all that he said? Are we going to believe what the Bible teaches? Are we going to believe that the Bible is right when it says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God and, and that the wages of sin is death? But that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God, I pray for the person that may again may be listening right now or hearing what what is being said and and they're they're contemplating this. God, may you may you work. Help them understand. We're all we're all in this together. Just some of us have come through this realization already. None of us deserve it. God, would you help that person? With a simple act of belief. Lord, would you help each of us? We desire to live out our faith, we desire to let Christ's life be reflected in ours. God, but we're mindful of the fact that we, we struggle. We mess up. We continue to need forgiveness ourselves. We continue to need the grace of God at work in our lives. Lord, as we as we experience that grace continues to flow to us because of Christ. Lord, may we maybe be people who are willing to extend it to others. We think about the way we interact with people. We think about the way that we hold on to things or, or let go of things. Think about the way that we do our job at work. The way we do our work at school. The way we treat our spouse, our children, our parents. And we consider our need. For the grace of God at work in our lives day by day. And may we go to you, O oh God, each morning before we start our day and ask for that help. Just as you taught us to pray. To give us this day our daily bread. And so, God, would you give us today what we need for today? And as we interact with each other after the service as we go to our homes and maybe gather as life groups tonight, as we go into our week of school, of work, of interactions with other people, that you would help us each day to be people of grace, just as our Lord Jesus is. And now to him who is able to do exceeding abundant beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.